Hey everyone, it's Chris here welcoming you to the Big Red Says Podcast. Alright guys, so today on the show we have Scott Ayers. He's the content lead master for Social Media Lab at Agora Pulse. Essentially what this guy is, is a social media expert. And since the audience here is you know anywhere is from 17 to honestly up to 32 i feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding about how we should be using social media so i figured this would be a good way to kind of dive into that conversation and then dive into how he got to this position because this seems like a very random job and i'm curious to find out exactly how it came about just before we dive into the conversation with scott I just want to remind you that if you enjoy this content or any of my content, please leave a review on iTunes and you can always check the website at BigRedSays.com. All right, everybody, as promised, we have Scott Ayers on the line, the social media expert. Like I did mention before, he's the lead consultant for Social Media Lab or Agora Pulse. So maybe to start this off, Scott, introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, yeah, my name is Scott Ayers. I'm in a little town called Waco, Texas. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, Google it. There's a lot of bad stories about Waco. Never good stories. But, uh, yeah, so I run um, social media experiments for a company called Agora Pulse. My main job is um, kind of like this little character up here, a little science guy. You know, I, I run experiments that are scientifically based and report about different tactics and techniques that um, you can try to use for your business on social media. Trying to trying to bust a myth of a lot, what a lot of gurus tell people. Because um, a lot of stuff that is out there in the social realm is opinions and not based on facts. So that's my main job is just testing those sort of things. And I run our social media for Agora Pulse. Um, Agora Pulse is a social media management platform for businesses. Um, so if you've got either a, your own business or you're an agency or it's a large corporation, we help you schedule content, uh, manage all that content. Manage the big part is managing like comments and messages and just that moderation side, which is a challenge when you try to do it through their own platforms. And then a lot of reporting and other things as well, depending on how big you get. Um, our, our primary customer tends to be agencies and large corporations um, right. that use us. We have, about, I think, about 3,000 paid users at this point. And we're a team around the, around the globe based out of Paris, France. Uh, we're about 45 of us that work remotely around the world. And Social Media Lab is a branch of Agora Pulse? Yeah, we basically have a room on the home gotcha. <laughs> of Agora Pulse. So we're, right. you know, we started, about, actually, we're right at a year. This week, actually, we hit a year and we finally started publishing. Um, I've been with the company since January of 2017. Right. Um, just, just there, I was hired just to run this project. Um, and so we've been, we've been publishing now for about a year. And what were you doing before that? Like, what, what led you to this position? <laughs> It's man, I could go way. How far back you want me to go? Because I could go, you want to go way, way back. Um, let's see. I, I'm I'm 43 years old, and I've probably had about 30 jobs since I was 18. I'm a guy who's you know, you've heard of the jack of all trades. I'm kind of a Scott of all trades. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you name it, I've probably done it. Whether it was you know doing sales at a Best Buy in a Circuit City electronic oh, wow. store. Okay, yeah. Uh, I did delivery. You know, and deliver stuff for our electronic stores. I was a Maytag repairman working on appliances and delivering that. And then uh, I went to college in between there for business management, um, ran a, a pizza joint for a couple of years, and then uh, hopped into ministry, actually. I was a, a youth minister and a sports and recreation minister 
doing you know big for some big churches in Houston, and uh, got out of that. Uh, I sold cars, uh, and then I, I got into a field. This is where it kind of led me to social media. I got into a field uh, moving cars. I was an auto transport broker for a company uh, in Houston, where basically we we move cars for people who bought them on eBay or you know auctions and that sort of. So those are our main customer or you know. People moving overseas, that sort of deal. And then one one guy came to us, is a guy named Gary Remy. I still remember Gary, and uh, he's like, "You got to get on LinkedIn." I'm like what? You know? it, at the time, the Facebook was still around. You know, it was still the Facebook. It wasn't even a big thing. MySpace was still kind of hot, but he's like, "You got to get on LinkedIn. It's great for business." So I got on LinkedIn, fell in love with it, and found a lot of customers on LinkedIn. And then, so fast forward about a year and a half, two years later, I started my own company, working from home. This was about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Started my own transport company. And uh, so I leveraged social media big time for it. I got on Twitter, got on Facebook, because Facebook was hot at that point. And uh, most of my clients, I was getting, not from all the paid leads that I had to pay for, I was getting from my connections on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, just reaching out to people and got addicted to it. And so I started, I started blogging. I never had blogged before in my life. Started blogging about social media. I was using this tool that created, I don't know if, how long you've been around Facebook business pages, but you used to be able to create these little custom tabs, we called them, where you could do like a website within Facebook pages. And uh, this company called FanPage Engine it was, had a, a cool tool that was really easy to use. Um, and so I started training people how to use this tool, doing videos um, and, and blog posts and stuff. And I was their most active user by far. And the guy, David Foster, owned the company. He's like, dude, we, we write guest blogs for us. You know more about our app than we do. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure, why not? And he paid me. And I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. I can get paid to write about stuff, you know. And, and I never thought about that in my life. And uh, so about, about two months into that, the economy in the U.S. kind of collapsed and gas prices were ridiculous and I couldn't move any cars. And he, he happened to say, hey, you want to come work for me full time? And uh, so I, I went and started working for him full time. I did support, did blogs. And then from there, I, I, went, I went to another company called Post Planner. Uh, was there with them about three years. They're another social media app company. Uh, probably wrote 1,500 blog articles for them. Got to uh, co-author a book called Facebook All-in-One for Dummies. Have you seen any of the four dummies books? Um, I got to do that, which is really cool. And kind of got a name for myself in social media. And uh, after about three, three and a half years, I left that company. And then the, the owner, uh, the CEO of Agora Pulse, Emmerich, I've been I've known him for seven or eight years, and he's been trying. He tried to get me on board for a while, and uh, he hit me up, and we got to talking. I was like, Yeah, I think this would be a good fit for me to come on and, and do the project. And kind of a year and a half later, almost two years later, it's it's running really well, and I love the company. I love the people. Um, I've gotten to go to France here recently and meet everybody that works over in the France offices. So that's kind of the quick, the you know, quick two narrative. minute version of the last twenty years of my life there, but. Uh, kind of where my journey took me. Well, I find that really interesting, actually. So, um, because I think a lot of people listening can super relate to the fact that early. So, it almost seems like since you were 18, you said you had so many jobs. So, when you had these other jobs, did it feel right, or did you know in your heart that there was something else you wanted to do? Like, how did, what was that transition? You know, for me, of course, when I, got, I, was, I was telling somebody the other day, yesterday, actually, when I got out of high school, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician. Um, I, I thought I wanted to be in medicine and all this stuff. I think mainly because I had really messy handwriting, and everybody said you should be a doctor. And, and I tried that. I went. I took a couple of courses, and it was, and it was too much for me. I couldn't do the, the workload, so I switched over to business. So I've always kind of had a business mindset, an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, 
but I mean, as far as the changes, I'm I'm the kind of guy that just rolls with the punches. Um, life's too short, you know. To life's too short to be miserable in a job. Uh, totally there's great. always something else out there. If if you want to apply yourself, you can find something else. Um, it's the people that don't apply themselves properly, I think, that get stuck or can't find something. So, for me, I was always. While my wife may have been scared when I jumped ship, <laughs> you know, and not have something lined up, I knew immediately I could find something else. Yeah. Um, most times, I think the longest period I ever went, you know, where I, I was kind of unemployed was when the one company I worked for just went belly up. And, you know, overnight, the first app company I mentioned went belly up. And I went about three months without anything. But I was like, okay, well, I can get hired somewhere. You know, so I did odd jobs. Yeah. I actually was a pest controller for a little bit, oh, you know. And so... So like, hey, I mean, I'm, the, I'm the kind of guy who just do whatever I got to do, right. um, especially, you know, I'm married and got three kids, and so um, I'm going to provide regardless. And so I never was really worried about it. I'm not the kind of person who stresses or worries about those things. It's just, you know, roll with the punches, life goes on. Um, this is the next step and the next, you know, journey in my path. But for me, I mean, social media, I've, I thought I was going to get away from it yeah. <laughs> about two years ago, and then it kind of pulled me back in and... Um, I really enjoy talking about it and doing it. It's one of those things where I love, you know, helping small businesses especially figure out social because it's for them it's really confusing. Yeah. They don't have a staff, they don't have, you know, a big team they're paying for. They're trying to figure it out on their own, and so I really love just helping people out. And I probably, I probably do more free help than anything. Probably should charge more people <laughs> for some of it. No, but that's awesome. Though. I kind of figure, I figure the universe pays it back. Hundred percent. So I don't, I don't worry about. It. Uh, in your opinion. In terms of working in this industry, is it something that's growing or is it shrinking or do you find it just kind of maintaining itself? Um, it's changed a lot. I mean, we, we if I if I go back probably five years ago, per se, there was a lot of – what's the best way to put it without offending anybody? There was a lot of stay-at-home moms that became social media marketers. Right. It was, it was yeah. a job you could do from home. You could go help a few businesses. You know, you might get paid a little bit of money from it. And so we, found, we saw a huge shift where there was a lot of that for a while. And they weren't very – because they were just new hopping in, social media marketing wasn't very sophisticated. Yeah. Um, it was kind of looked down on by the, the upper-level marketers were like, oh, the social media people. You know, they're, you, can hire, you can hire an intern in college to do that and pay them nothing. And so that's kind of where we were about five years ago. Now, I think within the last – year year and a half it's changed a lot because one social media has gotten harder for businesses um and you've got to know and i think we've all gotten smarter um we, we all expect us to look into data and be a lot more sophisticated and on the flip side people who do social media marketing for a living have have learned that they've got to charge people what they're worth yeah <laughs> uh, because running social media for a business even a small business can be a massive time suck on you I mean, one client may suck up 20 hours a week. You've got to monetize that and get paid appropriately for it as if you were working on staff. And so you can't just say, yeah, pay me $200 a month. I'll do your social. Well, you'll get eat up really, really quick if you were to do that now because uh, people expect more. So I think it's I think it's still growing. You look at a, a conference called Social Media Marketing World. I don't know if you've heard of that uh, through Social Media Examiner. They get – I think they had – 5,000 attendees at their conference last year. Is that with uh, so, Michael Stosner? Yeah, yeah. It's the largest social media conference in the world. Um, and that tells me that there's still people wanting to learn about social media, either for their own business or they're getting hired on at companies. But I do think you got to be more sophisticated than just, hey, I'm going to post some cat memes for you. And 
know, you'll go viral or whatever. So it's a little bit different now for those who are, are taking it seriously anyway. Yeah, I think a big part of it that, uh, at least what I see, it's like the, the companies that are very witty about it. And it's like they're, they're having a smarter approach where you want to engage with it. And one thing I see is a lot of companies will actually, they're not commenting back to people, which is that a mistake? Yeah, I think you got to engage with everybody who mentions you, everybody who comments, everybody who you know sends you a message. If you don't, because you know once you get in that phase, and a lot of really really large corporations have a problem with that, they're not using typically the right platforms to do it. Um, once you get in that phase, I mean, you become that you know stale, boring old company that you know you look. I think of like a you know a Budweiser, you know a giant beverage company i know they get millions of comments per day and that's an astronomical amount of stuff to reply to i get that but you lose that personal connection you know when you stop replying to it and so you have to decide is it worth it or not i think for for especially for the mid-level and smaller companies you've got to be personal you got to use names i like using first names there because i do all of our social media i try to use first names as much as i can when i reply because it's like oh this company who i love and i follow just said hi, Chris. You know, and that's there's something to that with yeah. the psychology of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think you've got to reply to everything, and you've also got to make sure you're you're squelching any negative, you know, negativity that's going on about your brand on your pages. Maybe someone's upset and they're mad. You know, sometimes like we had somebody today on the last 24 hours on Twitter um, complaining about um, a, an issue they ran into with LinkedIn Publishing. And it has nothing to do with us. It's something else they were doing, I think. And But they were blaming us for it. And so I had to handle it and kind of make sure, for one, I gave them facts. But I listened to them. I didn't just eh, hide it and move on because it's public. I want everybody to, you know, I, they, I want people to see that we're responding to it, even when we do screw up. And so we responded. We went back and forth a couple of times and finally resolved it. And they were like, yeah, you're right. Appreciate the replies. You know, and it was all within, you know, an hour or two after them tweeting. If I'd let that just sit. You know, and that festers, ugh, it's the worst thing you can do. It's almost like that bad comment now is a good thing because if I am if I don't know your company and I go and I look at it, I'm going to see, like, wow, they actually took care of that really efficiently. So, yeah, yeah, and I, th- I don't think you should. Now, should you, you know, should you remove comments sometimes? Yeah, there's some comments people leave on Facebook, you know, that are just, you know, slander, they're – they're cursing. They're they're being arrogant and rude and obnoxious. And you don't need that kind of stuff. But you know, someone pushing back against whatever it is you're selling or doing, you know, that's fine. As long as they keep, as long as they remain civil, I don't see a problem. So in terms of, because I think one thing a lot of people are doing now, or they're realizing maybe more than ever, is that even if you're not a business, you're still a personal brand because everything's online now. So me just being an individual, I'm building a brand without even knowing it. When I go to apply for a job, they're looking at Facebook. They're looking at your Instagram, looking at this stuff. So in your opinion, and if you are, let's just say you are wanting to build a brand, say someone that has like this, a podcast, and they want to brand that, what is the best platform for that? Um, I think it depends on what your target is. Um, you know, if it's a B2B sort of situation, LinkedIn's the place to be. I mean, that's where you need to be at because that's, you know, that's where the more professional corporations are, are talking, their CEOs talking, the CFOs, that sort of stuff. You know, if it's, if it's a B2C, you want to be on Facebook. Instagram is, you know, to me, Instagram is so personal, more of like what's going on. Activity-wise, people don't want to see business stuff as much on there. Um, but I think on all the platforms, you need to be. You, you mentioned building you know, brand and being smart. I just recently, I, I go on there every 
couple of months. I go to my Facebook profile because I allow people to follow me. Sometimes I regret that. Sometimes I don't. I think I've got about 10,000 followers on Facebook. And, you know, most of it through interest lists. They used to be real hot. But I get weird comments sometimes on posts. I'm like, oh, I should have, I shouldn't have posted that public. You know, maybe it's my political views. Maybe it's just a picture of my kids. You know, I don't need everybody seeing those things. So Facebook has been real cool and smart lately as a personal, on a personal profile. You can go back and limit all of your past posts. So if you were posting publicly and you go, eh, I got to shut this down, you can go in and just make everything limited. When someone goes to your profile, is not a friend, all they see is your face, maybe what company you work for, and that's it. So for, for you know, if you're in a job market, I think that's a real smart thing to do. Or if you're building a brand, you might go back and just remove posts or go and limit the, you know, the audience on them and then start over. Um, that way you don't act because, you know, I go back and look at some of my Facebook posts from 10 years ago and I'm like, oh man, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, I don't agree with that anymore. <laughs> I've grown up a little bit. And, and so, you know, employers or prospective customers are looking at that stuff though. And so if you're, if you're on Snapchat or Instagram and you're, you're posting drunken tirades, your, your clients may not want to do business with you, you know, and so you've got to be careful with that. Um, I don't have data behind that, you know, which is what we talked about mainly with the lab. But, I mean, I just, in a personal standpoint, I mean, if I look at some, there's some marketers that I follow in the social media niche that I cringe when I see their snaps or, or their Instagram stories. I'm like, golly, there's no way I would want to do anything with this guy, you know, because I just don't agree with them out partying, doing stuff. That's them, that's their lifestyle, and that's cool. But as a business, I can't, you know align with that because I risk myself. So do you think as, say, you're operating a business or you're operating a personal brand, do you think it's important that you're authentic and you show this stuff? Or should you hide it? I think to an extent you should be human, yeah. yes. And that's why I think, for me on Facebook, I used to friend everybody. You know, I had 4,000 friends at one point because that's what you did. You you friended everybody. And I, 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 went in through, I went through and I removed about 3,500 of those friends, quote-unquote, um, because I didn't know them. It's just people. I mean, I don't know you other than this right here and a couple of emails. No offense. I wouldn't friend you on Facebook. <laughs> offense taken. Because, I mean, yeah, you know, because we're not, you know, we're not buddies. We're not hanging hey, out. I I, you know, you don't, you don't want to get in my life. I don't want to get in yours. But, you know, and there's some, so you have to kind of, I think for Facebook especially, you want to, you want to keep your friend. I like keeping Facebook very personal. It's my, I'm posting pictures of my kids, my life. You know, what's going on locally. And then I'll post some brand stuff here and there publicly, you know, and kind of keep that public persona there because people can follow me if they want to follow me. And that's that's where that relationship stays. And I follow a lot of people, too, like Michael Stelzen, for example. We're not friends on Facebook, but we follow each other and we send each other messages, you know. So, we, But we're not necessarily involved with each other's life when it comes to our right, kids right. and those kind of things. We're involved professionally. And so I, I think it's okay to put some of that out there, but you do have that risk of, you know, you're losing a client because you said something that's just like, ooh, you know, someone, you think of some of the celebrities who've said things, like Roseanne's a good example. <laughs> you know, she's in the media a lot here because the new show's coming back out. But, you know, she said something really stupid on Twitter, apologized for it, yes, and, and realized that she made a mistake, but she lost her job and caused a lot of people a lot of misery and lost their jobs for a little while because of one little tweet um, that she probably said when she was, you know, high in the clouds off a of substance or something. <laughs> so you got to be careful yeah. with that sort of thing, I think. So kind of moving on into, uh, well, I guess, moving back to the Facebook uh, business pages. So what's a good way to kind of drum up engagement on those? 
Um, well, what we're finding right now and looking through stuff that we've done, some of the tests that we run, the first one is we, um, if you're trying to get engagement organically speaking, face, you know, photos and videos are still outperforming any other post type when it comes to the reach um, and the engagement. Links are still great, and you should post links because that's how you drive traffic to your website, obviously. But people on Facebook don't tend to stop and leave comments and have a discussion on a typical link post on a business. Now, if you're a news page, that's a whole different story because that's what you're all about is right. the stories. But, you know, for Agora Pulse, for example, we post links to our blogs and product and things, but there's not a lot of engagement on it. People click, they do their thing, on, they look at the link, they read it, they go back to whatever they were doing on Facebook, you know, which sometimes they come back to Facebook, it's already moved enough and they don't even see it anymore. Um, so I think I think there's there's – for photos, I have a local business. And it's a bounce house business, renting like water slides and bounce houses and stuff. And uh, what works on there is the the personal connection and showing kids, showing smiling faces, showing those photos that show showcase my product, but not in a salesy way. Um, just more of here's what my product solves. Here's what it. Here's the benefits you get from it. Um, and so I think that on you know if you can do that sort of stuff as a brand and figure out what that looks like for you. Um, that's that's ultimately the point. So f- photos and videos and live videos um, are – Facebook has plunked in so much money in live videos, uh, and I think they're going to keep doing more and more because the engagement on them is phenomenal. Like, for example, I'll give you a real-world example. Um, a buddy of mine owns a, a pizza joint, and he's not really good at social media. He doesn't even have a website. Uh, and so he has a Facebook page with about 2,500 likes on it. Uh, in a town of about 7,000 people, so it's not bad. Um, and he was—he created this pizza called the Colossal. I think it's what our Colossus. It's 28 inches around. I mean, it's massive pizza. Seven pounds is how much this thing weighs. And so he's like, "Man, I want to—I want to do a challenge and see if some, anybody can eat it. You know, and well, you know, if they can eat it in an hour, I'll give them a T-shirt, put their name on the wall." And, you know, they'll get the pizza for free. It's about a $60 pizza. And so he started talking about it on Facebook and posting it and stuff. And he got a guy who said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so I'm like, Gerald, you got to go on Facebook Live, man. He's like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know how to do it. So I'm messaging him literally like five minutes before he was supposed to start this thing. I'm like, because he was trying to get people to come up to the restaurant and watch it. I'm like, you're going to get five people. It's 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Parents are putting kids to bed, that sort of thing. And so I said, you got to go live on Facebook. And so I showed him how to do it real fast. He hops on live. He's you know showing it, holding his phone. It's it's wobbly. It's awkward. He's not. He's talking weird. This thing for you know the first fifteen minutes, you know twenty thirty people are watching, fifty people are watching, hundred people are watching. Wow. It hits about the thirty minute mark, and there was about I, I want to say that peaked at the most of about twenty five hundred people watching live at one time. And they were from all around the globe. I mean, there's people in Africa and France and England, all across the U.S. watching this little pizza joint in the middle of nowhere, Texas, to have this pizza con- eating contest. And it ended up that that video got viewed. I think last time I looked, I have access to his insights. It was about eleven thousand times it got viewed. He'd never gone live before. The guy didn't eat the pizza. He only got about halfway through. He actually he actually at the 58 minute mark, he said, "I'm out," and ran off camera and threw up, which was kind of okay. funny. Luckily, luckily, he didn't get it on camera. Um, his battery died right after that, which is really funny. But the cool thing that happened from that is, for one, his posts since then have had a lot higher reach. Yeah. He got a lot. He got a ton of new likes. At least three or four dozen new likes came over to the page. But then the local news media happened to see it. The local TV stations, 
And they're like, hey, can we come out and do a live broadcast and let our anchorman try to eat the pizza in an hour during the morning show? <clears throat> and so they came out, broadcast live from his pizza place for an hour, and he got all this free publicity, all just from hitting the dang button and going live and taking a risk. Um, and now it's paid off. He, I don't know how many times he's sold that pizza now. I mean, I, I would say he's, you know, it's only been about a month or two. I mean, he sells 10, 15 of them a week now. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's changed, it's changed his business you know, because it's an expensive pizza, you know. And so he has a good profit built into it. And now he's had, I think, six guys try to eat it. Nobody's succeeded yet. Okay. And he goes live every time. They don't always get as many views as that first one did. Uh, but it just it just goes to show me that there's power in that for any business, even if you don't know what the heck anything has to do with marketing. That you can you can go live. You can kind of show people stuff they're not used to seeing. Yeah. You know you. Maybe you're for a podcaster, showing them how you record your podcast. Exactly. You know, showing them why. Like you're, you and I are on video right now. Somebody might be listening to this. They may want to watch the video. Exactly. You know, it's something different. You know, and we're 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 looking around. We're we're <laughs> we're not always 100 percent like trying to perform, but people want to. There's a voyeurism factor in social media in our society, and people love that yeah. stuff. Uh, and so I think for businesses, big or small, video is still hot. Live video, you know, is I think better. You know, because you get that personal touch. Um, recorded video needs to be very short and catchy, and you know it's got you got a couple of seconds to grab their attention. I did a study that was seeing how many people turned on sound on videos, and it was only like, and I have to go look. It's like it was maybe fifteen to twenty percent of people were ever turning sound on videos um, because they're just watching it on their phone and their stream. They see it for a second, they pause and go, nope. And go to something yeah. else. You've got to catch their attention on those recorded videos and give them a reason to, to click on it and turn the sound on. I mean, even myself, I only turn the sound on if it's really good. So I think uh, oh, subtitles yeah. are super important. Big time. We're actually testing that right now. We're, we've we've ran – God, we're, we're doing it on ads. We're testing uh, subtitles on video ads you know, with and without. And the interesting – we've probably spent about three or $4,000 already testing that. Um, different versions and different ways to show it. Most of the time, subtitles do better, but oddly enough, every once in a while, one of the ones without subtitles crushes it, and we don't know why. It's just weird. Like, ah, we want we want really good data. Cause we got close. We actually we did a study, um, and I think we spent about on that one about two thousand dollars on these ads. Thousand with with subtitles, a thousand dollars without. It got to the end, and we we do with something called a, a statistical significance calculator, which is a really long, boring formula. To, to prove conversions are significant, you know, a with A versus B, and we want 95 percent, which is a really really high number, 95 percent certainty. And we got 92.7. It was like right there, and so we're like, ah, and so we're like, let's not publish it yet. Let's run the test a little bit longer and see if we can push that number up, or it may push it down, and we go, okay, we just got to report this instead. But it's so close. But yeah, I think subtitles are key yeah. on, on on recorded videos. Subtitles and, and anything flashy in the beginning to catch attention. Um, I'm even thinking about. I mean, even on podcasts, I was talking. I was on a podcast the other day, and he even said, "Dang, my intro is way too long." You know, his intro was like 30, 35 seconds, and he's like, "People have learned in this." Yeah, you made the face. <laughs> yeah, and he, he people have learned like in Stitcher or podcast snaps, they can click the skip. 30, you know, fast forward 30 seconds, they don't even listen to it. So it's like, just get to the dang point, you know. So you got you only got a couple of seconds to kind of get into it. And I think we're, you know, it's part of our society now. We're 
you know, instant gratification. And so you've got to get to the point in your videos and in your audio really, really fast. Is uh, is Twitter making a comeback? I don't know. Uh, it's still there. I mean, I think the stuff Twitter's doing lately is smart. Um, you know, I, we're testing lots of different things on Twitter, like you know, how many emojis in a post get better impressions, how many hashtags, that sort of stuff. But um, Twitter itself is, is finally starting to clamp down on a lot of the garbage. Um, you know, getting rid of the fake profiles. Uh, you know, apps like ours that schedule content can no longer repeat content. Uh, because what was happening there, and the reason they did that was a lot of a lot of bots and fake accounts. People would go out and create thousands of fake Twitter profiles, and then schedule the same content to it over and over again. Sometimes in the same day, every hour, using the same update, same hashtag, and we're making that hashtag trend. Oh, and it was a false. It was a false trend. And so you would, you know, if you got ten thousand, you know, Twitter accounts tweeting this a post with a hashtag. 20 times in a day, that 200,000 tweets, boom, yeah, that's going to show up in trending. So you and I will be like, oh, what is this? And we, we're going to think it's true. We're going to think it's a really hot subject. So we start talking about it. And a lot of it was fake. And so Twitter's realized that. I think they've known about it for years. They've just been lazy. And now they're going, okay, we better do something about it. And so now they've, they've made apps like ours not be able to repeat content anymore, which sucks a little bit on the marketing side because I like to repeat my content every month or you know two weeks something like that it's good evergreen content but it, it does make the platform a little more honest now so now you've got to you know you've got to make sure what you're posting you got to constantly go even if you do schedule content which is a business i, I recommend because you don't otherwise you forget yeah. to post or you post 20 things one day and then nothing for two weeks and so it's it's a good it's a good change for for twitter to do it it's just a little rough on the beginning for a lot of marketers and but it's going to end all that trending Stuff that happened a lot during the elections, you know, in the U.S. especially, a lot of things were getting stories were getting trending, and they weren't actually trending. It was all these fake accounts um, talking about it. So that's, I think Twitter can make a comeback. Um, the 280 character change is a nice change, so you can post a little bit more. But um, I think they're now because because Facebook kind of became everybody's news aggregator. I know for me it did. But now Facebook is pulling away from that because it caused so much friction. I think people are going back to Twitter for news uh, and not on Facebook as much. So I think they can they can lure people back, but they've they've got to they've got to figure out a way to make the feed easier to follow and uh, and keep doing the work to get rid of and dump this, these fake accounts because uh, there's millions of them you know out there. A lot of celebrities have some very inflated follower accounts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forget the one recently. One of the big Kardashians, I think, lost you know half a million followers in one day because they were fake. You know, they paid they paid a PR company, PR company got them followers, but they were fake. Uh, so a lot of influencers who are out there getting paid because they have these massive following didn't really have a massive following. They were all you know fake accounts, and so uh, and Twitter didn't do anything about it for years, and you know because they were greedy, I think. Uh, so now they. You know they've got to they've got to gain trust back from everybody, uh, but I think they could do it. It's just I don't know they're not visual enough. I think for everybody today we're, we're so visual now with Snapchat and Instagram and Instagram Stories especially. I think I think face I think social media in general is moving to that story format. Uh, it's quick content that's gone and expired within 24 hours, uh, especially on your personal life sort of stuff. Uh, I think that's what most people are leaning towards. I don't know. We'll see what Twitter can do with it. I think if they, if they 
if they do a better job of integrating live video right into, into Twitter, I think beside, you know they still have Periscope, but if they do a little bit like Facebook's doing, I think people will hop on there more. Yeah, I think the, the, the Stories idea is very clutch, but also I don't think a lot of people like my friend recently got on Twitter because I don't know what this is, like what, what do I do? Because it's like, it's hard to meet, like cause you go on Instagram and it's very easy because obviously you're looking at pictures and movies yeah. and for him, the way it's garbage, it's, it's live TV. You don't see anything again. So just go follow people you like and it's like live TV. But it's also a super good way to engage with celebrities or people that you, you're, oh, yeah. you're attracted to, not in like a weird way, but just you like their stuff. <laughs> But uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I, I remember the, the one day I, I realized social media could be massive. It was, gosh, this has to be ten years ago. Uh, I, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, being you know from Texas, and uh, Troy. I, I was in the glory days when we won all of our Super Bowls, and Troy Aikman was the, was the quarterback, and you know he was in the broadcast booth you know, after he retired, and he was one morning he he posted something on Twitter, and it was a, a picture of the stadium where the Green Bay Packers play. And he was about to do his first. He's about to announce his first game at Lambeau Field, and where he had played many times in playoffs and had you know triumphs and, and defeats. And he you know he posted you know a tweet the calm before the storm. This this is so this this is so weird you know because he was so used to being on the field. And I and I replied back you know what does it feel like to be on the opposite side of things? Now he actually replied to my tweet, and I'm like holy crap you know that's amazing. Granted Troy they just. Troy Aikman just a regular dude like you and me who just happened to have a job that put him in the limelight. But he, that was, I was like, okay, I had, that gives this everyday Joe guy like me an opportunity to talk to somebody like that. You know, and that really showed me the power of, of social media where you and I can connect with people that we would never see on the streets. We could never get in their offices. Yeah. Um, but we can, if, if we do it the right way, you can get the attention of, of celebrities and influencers. It's harder now than it was 10 years ago. Duh. Uh, but it's still there. I mean, every time I've gotten tweeted by somebody who I looked up to, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. Uh, you know, and I still get excited about it. Even today, uh, it's, it's exciting when somebody, you know, you know, it's like Michael Stelzner or Mari Smith in the social media world retweets something or mentions you. You're like, whoa, this is so cool. This person with half a million followers is tweeting me. Uh, and so that's still where the power is at. Cause if you can, if you can be, we, we talked earlier, kind of my little journey, go back to your personal journey here. You know, there, there's there's so much power in just being a good person and you know giving back, and that stuff will come back to you eventually if you've been legitimate and people see that. Exactly. Um, if you've been a you know a jerk, spammy marketer, <laughs> everybody's going to see that too, and they're going to forget about you, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. So you got to be careful of how you. And I think that's a good point you bring up because some I follow uh, like Gary Vaynerchuk online, and one thing he says that resonates with me is the internet. And the social media isn't changing us; it's just exposing us. So, if you're if you're a jerk, you're going to be seen as a jerk. But if you're just a good dude, you're just really going to you know reflect that. Oh yeah, there's a book called Trust Agents, uh, written by Chris Brogan, and I always forget his co-author. Sorry, co-author guy. <laughs> um, that, and what was funny is I read I got to know Chris back when Google Plus launched. I didn't even know it's Chris before that. I'm I'm joking. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, what? It was hot for a while there. Um, but you know, he wrote this book called Trust Agents. It's about being that sort of connector person, that guy that just is helping people to help people and not expecting anything in return. And I've, I've done that all my life and, and benefited from it, but without trying to benefit from it. I'm just, you know, yeah, somebody needs something. I'm going to help him out. A buddy needs a car here. I got a car. You want it? You know, or hey, I know somebody who's hiring. 
for this position. And, oh, I know Johnny who does that. And so then I read his book one day. I'm like, dude, I think you wrote about me, you know, and and it was it's so true. So if you hadn't read Trust Agents, it's such a great book to go read because it, it it really exposes that sort of mindset of just, you know, being positive, not looking out to try to make money with every personal transaction. You know, now don't look at everybody as a, a dollar sign, but, you know, connect with people. And it might take 10 years for that connection to pay off. I mean, it might, but eventually it will pay off and other people will see how you how you were treated and how you treated them. And, and I think that's really, really important. And is that, do you have that same mindset? Let's just say you want to grow your accounts. Is that the mindset to have? I think so. I mean, I, I think for us, I mean, on social media, you should be sharing other people's content. Um, don't just be posting your own stuff all the time. I mean, there's people have different rules. I don't go by any of the rules because I think there's no data on them. <laughs> so, you know, at least here the 80, was the 80, 20 rule, share 80% other people's, 20% yours. I don't know if that's, still works or not but uh, i think it's good to share other people's content on social because it just shows because what's if you're not if you're not willing to share other people's content why should you expect anybody else to share yours you know and so you've kind of got to have that same sort of give and take sort of, of mindset on social you got to comment on stuff and be genuine about it um because again why would anybody comment on your stuff if you're never commenting on anybody else's stuff? And so, uh, and, and so there's benefits to again just being a real genuine person out there that's active, um, tagging people the right way in social media. You know, I like to, you know, mention people as much as I can when they post that maybe a good a new product came out or something cool happened to them or, you know, and not you know it's not affiliate links. There's no dollar signs coming back to it. It's just, hey, this is somebody I really like. I like what they're doing. Y'all should check them out, and then hopefully they do the same for me when I post something or you know publish a new article or what. But it's okay if they don't, though, because no expectations. Um, so one thing I always kind of get from from guests here is maybe like, what are kind of your three kind of keys to life or success? Like, what are the things that you feel are very true? Maybe we touched on them already, but like some last piece of advice you'd give to people that are just maybe they're growing social, but maybe not even social, just maybe they're in a place where they're 25, they're unsure about themselves. Like what did you do well in the past that you would want to give back? Um, I've kind of always had the mindset of failing forward. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're not trying new things, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you might fail. You know, you may bomb at it. You may be horrible at that job or whatever it is, but at least you tried. Because the worst thing you can do is, and I've got friends in this situation, you know, I'm been out of high school 25 years so i've got guys who've been in i know guys who've been at jobs for 25 years they hated the last 20 years but they've done it because it was a steady paycheck you know it was what you know everybody expected of them but they absolutely hated it yeah they're going to get retirement soon that sort of deal but you know they didn't take any risk and so i don't want to look back on life and say i didn't try i I didn't go out i don't want to go man what if you know so i'm not a what if like i'm wearing a shirt that says it is what it is you know, so which is really appropriate for what you're you're, you're asking. Life is what it is. You got to take those risks. I don't want to live with any what ifs, and so that's probably a big one for me. Um, and and I, I think another one for me. I'm a guy of faith, and so my faith plays a very very important role in everything I do. So if you're a person of faith, great. You know, and make that be your influence, whether it's personal or professionally, and, and I'll make sure it aligns for you. Um, and then I, I think you got to you know in in the social media business world. Um, if you're trying to, if you're 25 and you're like, man, I want to, I want to meet Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, figure out how to do that, you know, 
he would love it to see how somebody did. Maybe it's video. Maybe it's you're mentioning him on Snapchat and Instagram all the time. Maybe it's you're you're writing articles about him or you're bringing in guests on a podcast like this that know him and can connect to him. Uh, and so find those connectors and kind of go after them. But be genuine. But find find people who might be able to connect you to that if that's your goal. But have you know he gets approached by so many people. I'm sure he shuts them down uh, pretty quick. But whoever that is or whatever that thing is. I mean, there's people out there who know. The world is so – used to talk about, what is it, the, uh, was it the six degrees of, of Kevin yeah, Bacon yeah, or whatever? Yeah. You know, it, now it's like yeah, two. I mean, there's – you know, you're only one or two people away from connecting to anybody in the world now. Like I go on LinkedIn. I, LinkedIn I've been on forever. i got like 5,000 connections on there. And I'll, I'll look at it. I'm like, God, I can't believe I'm, I'm connected to all these different CEOs and these people, you know, because they're connected to somebody. And it's so fast I can send them a message and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Like I, you know, I'm being guests on a lot of podcasts right now. There's some really big ones that I'm like, there's no way in the world they'll let me be on. And they're like, oh, yeah, I heard you on such and such podcast. I'll listen to it. Yeah, you can be on my show. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, and so that, that sort of stuff just happens because of social media and the way it is. Yeah, I guess kind of. Getting to the end, one thing I'm kind of curious about, are there any smaller social apps you're aware of that are kind of rising up we should pay attention to? Um, I'm probably not. The, I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that because I stick to Fair the enough. big ones. I mean, I, I don't see any – yeah, I don't see – I mean, I, I think Anchor FM is pretty interesting yeah. right now uh, where people are, are doing like live podcasting and stuff and, and recording on there. I think that's kind of – I think podcasting in general um, is still – it's so untapped. We thought it was, uh, you know, we thought it died for a while, and we th- we thought we've hit the pinnacle of it. But I think podcasting has become so easy for people now. Um, so there's so many apps out there to help you do podcasting, whether it's Anchor, Spreaker. I love Spreaker. I don't know if you ever use Spreaker. Um, fun little app that you can record with on your phone, on the desktop. It can mix stuff for you, you know, and you can listen to all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so I, I think I think the podcasting stuff is where. There's a lot of opportunity for people that people are missing, uh, but you got to carve a niche, whatever that niche is. You know, I, I've tried to be the broad social media thing on on some podcasts, and it doesn't work really well. But being niched down, like our social media lab is very niched down at the sciency sort of experiments. It's different than the big broad stuff. So we got a smaller audience, but they're a loyal, good audience, and so I think that's the, the key with that sort of stuff. And, uh- Final thing here that I'm kind of curious about because you are doing science and social media, which is a very interesting concept. I love that. So, like, what's the most surprising thing you found so far? Um, there's so many of them. <laughs> um, probably one that might be relevant to, to you guys is um, Instagram. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of the quote unquote gurus who teach people to stuff all the hashtags into the comments on a, on a post you know, because it looks ugly or it's too much in the post itself because you can use 30 hashtags on Instagram. That's the max they allow you. And, and so I said, well, I've heard people say this for years, you know, stuff in the comments, stuff in the comments. So we tested it recently, and it was it didn't come out that way for us. Um, we I think our impressions, our views, reach, whatever you want to call it on Instagram, was about 25% higher. When I put, I left the hashtags in the original post and didn't try to stick them in the comments and hide them in the comments. Because what's happened is, is, is Instagram has figured out that, you know, smart, crafty marketers are trying to game the algorithms. And so they made it now where they kind of punish you when you put it in the comments. They're not ranking that as high on the explore feed. And so now that's not a true thing anymore that people have been saying and teaching for years. Uh, and so that was a like, ooh, you know, some people who I love and adore, teach that and i'm like eh. 
okay, I'm going to publish it anyway. <laughs> you know, but it was one of those findings that you know, we yeah. tested, and it, and it was a shocker to us because we thought it would be the other way. Uh, so if you're on Instagram, put your hashtags in the original post. There's no reason stuff in the comments. You're not going to go back to the top of the Explore feed when you do. You used to do. Like when you, if you would wait like 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, put your comment, your hashtag in the comments, you'd pop back up at the top of the explore feed that doesn't happen anymore it's based on when you put the hashtag in the post when the post was published is what the explore feed is based on so you want to get in there I fast. guess we're on instagram for a minute here um it's kind of took us my fancy because I, I love instagram i think it's a great really great place for my uh age group um should we be at should we be paying attention to igtv Man, I don't know. It's a, it's interesting. I think they're all, well, all I'm seeing a lot on, on IGTV right now is a lot of repurposed yeah. content that are on other platforms. Um, so it hasn't excited me yet. I mean, there are a few I've kind of looked at. Oh, that's not too bad. But most of the time, all I'm seeing, at least in the social media space, is people taking the videos they were doing on YouTube or Facebook and just sticking them on IGTV. Um, but if you're the same audience, it's yeah. kind of boring. So. I, I think it's interesting because what it does for you, and it you know it's it's that complete. We've gone vertical, back to the yeah. vertical video now, um, which we, for years everybody's like, turn your phone sideways, you know, because you put them on YouTube and they had the bars and stuff on it. Um, but I think it's a, I think this could hurt YouTube more than anything. It's not going to hurt Facebook, but I think it'll hurt YouTube because people are already on Instagram. They're already being social there, especially the millennial generation uh, and the generation behind them. Um, so if I and it takes up the whole screen, which I love because it doesn't, it's, it's kind of distraction free uh, in a sense. So I don't know. It's we're trying to figure out how to test it for us to see if it's worth the time or not. Um, will people watch them? The cool thing that I like about it, regardless of how many followers you have on Instagram, in your stories you can link back to an IGTV episode and you get the swipe up oh, that's very ability. Cool. So. Right now on, on Instagram, you have to have, have at least 10,000 followers before you can swipe up in stories unless you want to pay for an ad. Now, if you, it doesn't matter how many followers you got. If you got an IG episode, you can link to it in your story, and people can swipe up and go to that, that IGTV story. So that's Very a pretty cool. cool feature I think people haven't, haven't, haven't played with enough yet. Um, so I don't, I, think, I don't We'll see how it goes. I think it's one of those things a year from now. It's like Facebook Watch. Yeah. You know, are people watching stuff on Facebook? I don't know. I know I don't. Um, but it's, they're trying to be the Netflix of you know, social media. Uh, so I think creators, will, it'll, it'll, it'll be up to the creators that are out there. Do they produce enough good content that keeps people's attention? You know, I don't want to stare at my phone for 30 minutes and watch a, you know, an episode of on IGT. My phone's going to ring. I'm going to get a text message, yeah. and I'm not going to go back to it. So it's gotta, I think it's got to be short, you know, five, ten minutes. And, uh, one of the things I find strange about it, not strange, but I guess it's just like, something that we have to work around is a lot of stuff we film is horizontal for YouTube and then you actually have to film it again important in land yeah right. unless you just take I've seen some people take there's an app called um, wave yeah. wave dot video um, you know they can you can you can create Instagram stories for you, you can't do IGTV yet but they have a way to create smaller videos so I guess you know as long as you're most important parts in the center of your camera, <laughs> you might be able to squeeze it in, but you just lose all that side stuff. What, what can you do? Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. I think having, yeah, I think having content that's specific for each. Gotcha. Fair. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that uh, is preached very heavily because the mindset is different on every platform. Oh yeah, sure. Um, sure. Anyway, 
we're just about out of time here. So I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I think we had a really good conversation, a lot of value out of that. Um, is there anything like last thing you'd want to tell the audience? Just uh, if you want to check out your social media lab, just look up social media lab on any of the podcasting apps. Uh, you can go to agorapulse.com. You want to try out the app or any uh, we, get a, we have a free trial for Agora Pulse, so if you want to try it out for like 14 days, check it out. Um, and you can read our blogs. We have two different blogs, the Social Media Lab and our regular blog on there. You can check out. And we're just Agora Pulse everywhere on social media. One thing I'll ask from you is if you could put those links in our Skype conversation and that book you recommended. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you got something tangible out of this. I know this is a little bit different from previous episodes. You know, we're really focusing on social media here and how to use this and some tactics and skills you can you can implement. Uh, but we did talk to Scott a little bit about his journey to that path because it is an interesting one for sure. And one of the things I'm so happy about changing the name from a journey of personal growth podcast to the Big Red Says podcast is it allows me to be unrestricted with the content so I can bring you all kinds of different things. It doesn't always have to be personal development, although I do think that's super important. Anyway, I'm really happy with this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Please feel free to reach out at chris at bigredsays.com and please leave a review on iTunes if you enjoy my content. And I hope you guys have a super good day. Thank you.